Matthew chapter 5, if you turn there, we are going to continue our uh, series over Sermon on the Mount, and I have good news for you. This week is less heavy. How about that, huh? <laughs> Even Jesus in his sermon said, all right, I'm going to have to lighten up a little bit. Um, but no, it, this is, uh, it's just, he's just going down a list dealing with the root of man's sin, the root of man's actions, and uh, in, in addressing things in a very accurate way. Um, so today we're going to continue with that. Uh, all the things through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was blowing their idea of religion out of the water. What these people had heard all their lives, what they had been taught, Jesus was coming in and saying, you've heard this, but I tell you this. You've heard this, but I'll tell you this. And all of it is, is dealing with all of the loopholes that they'd created for their lives to continue on in their sin and yet feel like it is well. And the truth of the matter is, is things weren't well, it wasn't good. So now Jesus is moving further into areas that that serpent, the devil, had brought some subtlety into their lives and confusion and twisted some things. Uh, and Jesus uh, was addressing that manipulation again. So if you look at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 38... He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I'm going to stop right there for a second. That's hard. Every man in the room at least say amen. Somebody punch you, they're going to get punched back. I mean, that's just our natural flesh that says... I'm gonna, you whoop up on me, I'm going to whoop on you. I may not beat you, but you know I was there before it's over with. <laughs> That's a tough one. We'll talk about it. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. That's a tough one. Somebody suing you, an innocent party, trying to get advantage of you to steal from you legally. That's a tough one. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. People that have high expectations, that expect more out of you than other people. People that will look at you and say, I'm going to take advantage of you for my benefit. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus, folks, is turning people back to the heart of the law, turning people to his heart rather than how the law had been twisted and began to be taught and intermingled with a humanistic mind, mindset and ideology that says, you can react, you can do this, you can do that. Jesus was telling them, this law must not be taken out of context. In other words, Jesus is looking at them and he's saying that, yes, the law says this. Who wrote the law? Who made the law? He did. And the law is saying eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Now all of us in this room, probably more than once in our lives, have looked at this law and have deemed it as though it was too harsh or unmerciful. Have you ever felt that way before? Raise your hand. Raise, just be honest, let's go ahead. Yeah, there's about 6, 7, 8, 12, 30 of us. All right, good. We've looked at this and saw it to be unmerciful, but the fact of the matter is, is that law was put in place for mercy. An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. What that means is, is that God in His wisdom and His knowledge told Israel, He said, look, I'm tired of people who have been wronged going and seeking restitution and revenge beyond that which is necessary. In other words, you killed my donkey, I'm going to kill all your donkeys and take your firstborn child too. 
Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? It goes beyond what was necessary. All this did was set in place and stop people from reactive nature of vengeance and anger and bitterness to go and to use the law to carry out their sin. And so the law was put in place that says you will not be able to uh, receive back to yourself more than the damage that was done to you. This law was put in place not saying that you have to go knock somebody's tooth out, but saying that you can't do any more than knock somebody's tooth out. Amen? Uh, somebody's going, Pastor Bob, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, hang on to your seats, kids. We'll, we'll figure it out here in a minute. We must remember that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth was a law that allowed a person some justice if he wanted. Through the law, God showed man that he, he is merciful, he is just, and he is impartial. And he shows us and makes clear that if you have been wronged by the law, you can seek restitution. And the only thing is, is that the law, folks, and here's where we've always had a problem. We felt like it was a commandment. If somebody knocks your tooth out, you have to go knock somebody else's tooth out. Well, I don't really feel like knocking the other guy's tooth out. He threw a rock at me, hit me in the face. It was an accident and knocked my tooth out. Well, you got to go knock his tooth out now. I really don't feel comfortable with that. you got to go knock his tooth out. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that if you feel like you have been done wrongly, and you have the law that will, will defend, defend you to the point to where you can seek restitution for what was taken from you. But it doesn't require it as a law that you are in disobedience to do it. Now, the only time that, that, that it was considered disobedience if a certain law was not carried out in this manner was if God told the children of Israel, this individual broke the law, they need to be stoned and burned like Achan. If they didn't do it then, then the nation was in disobedience and they're in more trouble with God. But as it pertains to the law itself, all this is is a parameter, a parameter that shows mercy that says, if you want to seek restitution for the wrong that's been done to you, you may to a certain point. Also, the law is merciful because it was given to the leaders to use for judgment. It was not intended, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, was not intended for people to take up the cause on their own with their own hands whenever they just felt like it. You run over my cat, I'm going to run over your cat. How dare you? <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. It's, it's just a, it just came off the top of my head. Nobody has pet squirrels, and the next thing I thought of was a cat. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't mean that if something's done to you that you have a right to show up at somebody's house and take theirs from them. If we do that today, are you going to get in trouble with the law or are they going to get in trouble with the law? You're going to get in trouble with the law. You're not allowed to carry it out on your own. It's the same way with this law. It was given to judges and leaders to, to define by what happened to hear the case and to say, here is what is right. You owe this to them. It doesn't always mean that it's going to come to come back to you in a form of a tooth or anything else. Give me your tooth to replace my tooth. An eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth simply means there are boundaries, set limitations, not that the very thing had to be demanded of the person. In some cases, scripturally, money, I guess money, uh, properties that would be compared to money in the Old Testament were given uh, in the case for, for certain aspects and certain things that happened and certain levels of giving. 
However, the only time that a ransom, according uh, to the Old Testament, could not be paid is if somebody murdered somebody else. You can't buy off a murderer. The law was the murderer had, that was the restitution, they had to die. But that's the only thing. Anything else, it could have not just had to be a tooth. You could have gotten something else for the tooth that you lost because somebody threw a rock and hit you in the face. If you wanted to. If you didn't want to pursue it, you didn't have to. So the law about eye for eye and tooth for tooth is not bad. These are all good things. Amen? Jesus made clear that the law was good. Paul made clear that the law was good. The law was good. Eye for eye and tooth for tooth isn't bad. It's simply showing a parameter, a boundary of mercy, and a boundary by which you can get, uh, get back what you lost with a limitation so you don't go overboard. Don't you wish that sometimes in our culture today there were some limitations about what you could get? I spilt my coffee onto my lap while I was driving my car out of the McDonald's drive-up and it was so hot that it burnt my leg. I think I need $30 million. And everybody in McDonald's said, sounds to me like you need to go to the hospital and get your leg fixed. So the law was good. And the laws that we have in place today are still following somewhat the pattern eye for eye, tooth for tooth. There's boundaries and expectations for restitution. There's things you can do and there's things you can't do. And it's got to be put in the hands of the court to figure it out and to give it. So, I pose this question after going through all that for this reason. So why? So why did Jesus then say, but I say to you? Is he trying to throw the law out? Is he trying to say the law is bad? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. Look at Matthew 5 again, verse 39. Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus is not saying that we should never. Everybody say never. never. Jesus is not saying that we should never resist evil. It's not what he's saying. I Pastor Bob just said. Okay, let me challenge you with these questions then. For Jesus to say that he could never resist an evil person would be contradictory to the law in the first place. The law was there to resist evil. It was there to protect the innocent. Amen? Is that what the law was for? It was there to protect them. He's not calling us to injustice or partiality here. If it were the heart of the Father to never resist evil, then we have to throw out the entire Old Testament we got to throw it out. Every time that God would deal with a nation that was rebellious to Him and He would minister and reach out in mercy and mercy until the mercy was gone and He would say, go in and cleanse the land. He dealt and resisted evil people. You can't say that God would never do that. If it were never the heart of the Father to resist evil, then why did Jesus come, resist temptation, obey the Father and conquer hell? Good news. We're not being called to be spiritual sissies, okay? We're not called to be afraid and never to stand up when it's time to stand up. And we're not being called to back down all the time and to be a, 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 a doormat for people to walk all over. Jesus isn't saying not to resist evil in general. He's rather just saying not to resist an evil person. There are plenty of people out there that have been so influenced by our culture and by the, 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 the prince of the, the air of this world, 
that they hate you and I because we're Christians. There are people who say things about us and do things to us, and we'll go through the list here in a minute, but they look at us and they despise us for our faith in Christ. And Jesus is saying, there's something greater here going on than just you getting your stuff back. This person needs what you have, and it's not necessarily just your tunic or your cloak or your money or your time. They need the gospel. Don't make the law be twisted so that you get all of your little wants given to you and you destroy an opportunity to minister to somebody that's hurting that needs the gospel. Let it soak for a second. Think about it. A Christian, the first time somebody does something wrong, immediately seeks restitution. So I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this to get it back because you were wrong. I'm right and you know it. You may get your stuff back, but you lose every opportunity you can to pour into somebody's life something eternal. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's dealing with it. Let's look at them. We need to make sure that we are showing mercy because the gospel is way more important than our reputation. It's more important than our possessions. It's more important than our time. And it's more important than our money. Those are the four things he lays out for us. Jesus refers to a slap in the face followed by a gentle, quiet spirit that does not retaliate. It gets, this individual gets slapped and they turn the other cheek. The reference of this slap is not necessarily a physical attack that is going to cause death, but it is a reference to an insult. This is a public insult. The slap in the face, uh, that was a slap in the face. Has anybody ever said that before? That's what this is talking about. Somebody that will insult you publicly, uh, ver- verbally, and yes, even if they may pop you on the face to embarrass you in front of someone. Jesus is saying you don't need to always defend yourself in everything. Here's why, folks. If we defend ourselves, if we get so defensive about every single thing, we will be defending ourselves constantly into a deep pit of defensiveness until we can't minister to anybody around us. Jesus told him, he said, look, people are going to hate you because of me. If we defend ourselves against everybody that hates us, and every time somebody says something about us, we get mad. We aren't behaving any different than the rest of the world, are we? And Jesus is saying, people are going to insult you. They're going to say things about you. They're going to do things to you. And you know what? When that happens, just turn the other cheek. Just move on with life. Go on. And don't let it stop or close the door of the gospel being shared. Because if a person is attacking you, it's because they have a spiritual need inside of them. I've used this example before. I just used it on Wednesday nights, not even in my notes. But my buddy and I, one day when we were kids, were walking up the road, and he had these dogs that were always attacking animals. And there was one who was like, shaking his head and flip something up in the air, and then he'd catch it and flip it, and we ran up to see what it was. It was just a little kitten. So we kicked the dog and hit it. Yes, Van, I rescued a kitten. Are you proud of me, hon? Awesome. Van and I always go back and forth about the cat thing. So, so we, we grabbed this kitten, and, and uh, it was sitting there looking at us and, and hissing, and we wanted to help it. So my buddy reached down to grab it, and when he did, the cat turned and bit through his thumbnail, and blood started coming out of it. The cat had no idea that we were there to help it. It was just hurting. And thought that we were going to react to it the same way the dog was. Listen, folks, don't be a dog. (laughs) React like a child of God. People are going to insult you. They're going to say things about you. Raise your hand if anybody's ever said anything bad about you. 
My hand's up, yo. Good. I'm not the only one in the room where people have said bad things about me. Listen, join the club. Put a smile on your face. Love them anyway and move on because if they're hurting and they're saying bad things about you, you have what they need. Jesus Christ. Don't resist them if they hate you for the name of Jesus. Secondly, if they take you to court or legalize thievery, trying to steal from you, whether they steal from you or whether they take you to court to steal from you, whatever it may, may be, to manipulate the law to try to get back or get even with you, meet their needs. Say, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You need something else, I'll give you more. What is it you need? Suddenly you just change the situation. A gentle word turns away what? You just changed the situation. You just flipped it over on them and blew their mind. They're like, what just happened? I've sued this one, I've taken from this one, and this one, nobody's ever offered me more. There's something not right with this situation. What you've done is, is you've injected Jesus into the situation, and now they don't just look at you as a hypocrite that they're trying to disprove and say that this person is a liar and not real and call you names further and steal from you further. What we have to do, folks, is we've got to become totally abandoned to our stuff. I have seen people fight over things like crazy, land, property, uh, things, I mean, phones and shoes. And I mean, people were killing people for Air Jordans a while back. Something ain't right with that. As a Christian, if somebody needs something from us and asks for it, even if they have a wrong motive, Jesus is saying, give it to them and show them the love and grace that I have. Rather than trying to protect your stuff, that's all going to perish anyway, folks. It's all going to burn up someday anyway. Rather than trying to hoard and protect it and, and, and push away somebody because you're mad because they touched and took your iPhone, you're mad at them for that. And you shut a door and send this person to hell because you won't show them the light of Jesus Christ. Which is more valuable? What is a greater possession to you? The gospel that is in your heart or the, the trinket that's in your hand? Somebody's preaching. I may be tired and half asleep after the weekend, but I'm still preaching. That's a word. What a wake-up call to a thief. You know, I've had, I've been, how many of you have ever been stolen from before? Raise your hand. Oh, raise them high. How many, how many of you thoroughly enjoyed it? I hated it. Multiple times it's happened to me. One time I had the opportunity that one of the young men that stole from me, as he was in a jail cell calling me, asking me for help. And I thought, you little punk. You sold a couple thousand dollars worth of tools and everything else off my property, lied about it, put my son in jail for it, and then you're going to call me? So I had an opportunity. What was I going to do? Go in there and shred the kid or sit down with him and say, dude, you've got some issues, man. I shared Jesus with him. We prayed, tried to help him find some avenues of help. Shifted the situation. <laughs> Folks, it's hard to do. Can I get an Amen. Sometimes you want to reach through the glass and go, <laughs> but you just can't do it because there's something greater going on. If they are unfair in their expectations of you, demanding more of you than others, give them more than they ask of your time, of your efforts, your talents, whatever it may be. Has anybody ever had somebody have unreasonable expectations for you because you're a Christian? You should work longer without pay. You should do this. You should go here. You should do this, 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 and this. As a pastor, I've had both. Uh, prior to being a pastor, I did do some work at some places where I never got paid for it. You just do it. You still you going to come out this week and do this? Yeah. April said, did you ever get paid for that? I was like, no. When are you going to get paid? 
I don't know. You go further, and you just keep going. If, they, if, if they're taking advantage of you, whether it's innocent, on accident, whatever, it doesn't matter. But if you jump on them like it was, was on purpose, and you make a big deal about it and say, I'm going to call the authorities you are required. I put in these hours. I've got record of this. Yada, yada, yada. All you've done is blown your Christian witness out of the window. And if this person did have manipulative purposes, they need Jesus, and you just wiped out every opportunity of showing him to them. Have you ever had somebody expect more out of you as a Christian? As a pastor, I've had that. I've had people, I had had one incident where an individual talked horribly about me in the community, said that I'm a horrible pastor, the church is going to fall apart, a lot of things all throughout the community talking about me. So when the individual ended up in a very serious situation, a long ways away, in a hospital, uh, who went to visit him? Why? Who else is going to go visit somebody that bitter and upset? Why? If they expect more out of you, go. Did it take my time? Yes. Did inside of me at times say, why? (laughs) Yes, I'm human. But what happened was, is that God entered into that room. God changed some things. Why? Because we went further. It's okay, child of God, when somebody expects more of you, don't get all defensive and angry and start throwing things up in the air and and, and throwing laws and expectations. What Jesus is saying is, is there's something greater happening here than your time, your reputation, your money, anything else. If they have a reputation of borrowing money and never paying it back, don't let them borrow, just give it to them. Don't turn them away. Just, just give to them what they need. If they don't bring it back seriously, is it going to end your life? Yeah, you could chase them down with the law and say, hey, you need to give this back. And you need to give that back. I had an individual years ago prior to ministry that I was working and the Lord had laid them on my heart. And I began to pray for them. And I prayed for them for about four or five weeks. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let them off my heart. One day about, about the, in the first week, I, the Lord just gave me a prophetic word for them, said this is what's happening in their life. And I said, okay. So I just kind of tucked it away and kept praying for them. Lo and behold, the guy showed up at the door of the shop one day. So what are you doing here? Oh, I just, I need to come by and ask you a question. I said, good, because I've been praying for you for about the last five, six weeks. What? Yeah, on thus and such date, the Lord told me this, that this was happening. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he told me to tell you he specifically protected you from this, this, and this. And he went, and tears began to roll down his face. He said, how did you know that? I said, I didn't know it. God told me. He said, I, I, I just, I said, so what do you want? Well, I was going to I said, you want money? Because he had a reputation of borrowing money and never giving back money. And everybody that he had borrowed from quit giving him money because he never paid it back. And he looked at me and I said, how much you need? It was a few hundred, whatever. I don't remember how much the amount now. And I said, okay, you can have it. He said, no, I'll pay it back. I said, no, I don't want you to pay it back. I'm going to give it to you. What? Why would you give it to me? I said, because I don't want you to have to worry about paying it back. He said, okay. Why did I do that? I did that because I didn't want to shut the door. He wasn't going to be able to pay it back. And if he didn't pay it back, I didn't want him to see me every time, turn his head and go the other way. I wanted to continue to share the love of Christ with him. You know what happened? He paid me back. 
I didn't ask it. I said, you know, nope, you have to take this money. You have to. I said, I don't want it. It was a gift. Take the money. You have to. Okay. I guess if you're going to force me. But what happened was the need was met. The man was ministered to. And I didn't care if I got the money back or not. And God was gracious and gave it back. This is the message that Jesus is teaching us in this, is that we don't need to twist the law to our advantage or anything of that nature. Remember, Jesus isn't telling us to ignore the law, allowing ourselves to be run over by other people. He is just reminding us that the law doesn't justify an attitude of revenge in the heart of the believer. For the believer, the law should be used as a means of mercy, whether it be for your protection or for the protection and development of the guilty party. There are times that the law is necessary as mercy for the individual. Sometimes there comes a point where you say we have to get in the law involved. But even with that in these areas, Christ doesn't expect us to have uh, an attitude of retaliation or vengeance and anger and wrath and to sit in a courtroom in anger and say give them everything that they deserve because they are hopeless and worthless. That's not what God's called us to do. He, He wants us to see eternal needs in the lives of individuals. And if that means bringing the courts into this situation, then that's what it means. But for the heart of the believer, it shouldn't be full of these things. Because Ephesians 4 says this, beginning in verse 31, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 5, verse 1, Be imitators of God, therefore, as as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What he's saying here, folks, is these things, a slap in the face, a stolen property, uh, somebody expecting too much of you, or somebody that's going to borrow and not pay you back, these are things that embitter us, enrage us, frustrate us, cause us to get angry. We use the law to our advantage to get some satisfaction against another person. And Jesus is saying, don't do it. Rid yourself of the rage, the bitterness, and the anger, and the malice, and instead show mercy and love. doesn't mean that you never get the law involved. It means the heart must be right. Jesus, if you look back to Matthew chapter 5, all of this is, is covered under love. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know the two laws that sum up the law and the prophets. Jesus replied, "Love the two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Folks, Jesus was not addressing the love part He was addressing how the law had been twisted and shifted and changed by those that were in spiritual leadership to say, if we love our neighbor, it's okay to go ahead and hate your enemy. What Jesus is saying, this law of love surpasses all of that stuff. And here's why it's so important, because you and I, we were enemies of Christ. And we all know this much, that a neighbor can become an enemy. Amen? Shut that dog up! We got some neighbors in south, south, uh, southeast of us there, good friends, but they had, they had some hunting dogs. Have you ever heard of a coon dog? Oh, 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 
That was better, Larry. All night long in the summer, you can't put the window up because you lay in bed and all you hear is, oh, 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 woo, woo, woo. If you're not careful, it can cause some problems. I had a guy that I worked with one time that lived in a trailer court and there was a house next to him that had a dog, a little yiping dog. And he was laying in his trailer and, and uh, he got mad. He hollered at me. He said, you don't shut that dog up. I'm going to shoot it. I said, what happened? He said, got quiet. <laughs> neighbors can become enemies if we're not careful. Amen. Oh, neighbors. That's why Jesus said, love your neighbor. It's not okay to hate your enemies because we can make enemies of anybody we want to. We can, we can make and call people enemies. And that's what Jesus is saying. We're not to call people enemies. We're supposed to pray for them. The greatest commandment is to love. To love God and to love people. And 1 Corinthians 3, 13, 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It is because of the love of God, folks, that we have faith and hope. And it's because of the love of God that we are able to give faith and hope to other people. If we don't have love and we start hating on our enemies, then we're going to have problems. And the enemies are the ones that are, are needing Christ, the ones that hate us, the ones that are frustrated with us. We should not designate them as enemies. We should begin to pray for them. That's a tough one. It's a tough one to pray for people that have wronged you or wronged your family. They need to be given faith and hope through the people of love. In doing this, we take on the nature of God who gives sun and rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is not a respecter of persons. And every day, this morning we get up, the sun's up, the sun goes around the world, and the rain falls when it needs to fall. It falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. And what God is calling to and what Jesus is calling us to to be like the Father is to let the love and the righteousness of the love and the mercy flow from us to whoever we meet, whoever we come into contact with, people who love us, people who hate us. We need to pray for those who don't love us, and we need to still show grace and mercy, the light of Christ to warm them, and the Spirit, the rain of the Spirit to moisten and soften their souls so they can receive the truth. That's what we're called to do, regardless of who they are. In Matthew 5, looking in verses 46 through 48, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. As I have Alyssa come this morning, I, we have to understand as church folks together, churches have a tendency, youth ministries, children's ministries, not so much children, but especially with youth and adults, we have this problem where we like to we segregate ourselves off into our comfortable groups and we love to encourage and love those who love us back. But the first time somebody doesn't agree with us on something or somebody thinks we were wrong about something or doesn't dress like us or like the same music as us or whatever, yada, 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 suddenly they're not a part of our group and we don't reach out to them. That's wrong. We need to let the light of Christ shine wherever we go without being a respecter of persons. Jesus was not a respecter of persons. That's what the scripture says that even the scribes and Pharisees noticed about him. So you don't, you don't show favoritism and partiality. He judged justly and honestly and truly. He dealt with people equally, all in the same plane as they came to him. He showed love to them. Met the need where the need was at. So this morning, I want to challenge you. 
If there is no reward, there's no reward for just loving the people who love you. We have been called to love even the people who don't love us. We are called to love the unlovable. All those years as a youth pastor, how many students that came in that were totally by themselves? And the homes were a mess, didn't feel love where they, where they were living daily and came in here and felt grace and mercy and love in our offices and throughout the church building, through our church family. Why? Because we loved them. I have seen adults who have been in horrible circumstances and situations plug into our church and say, I don't get it. I've never been anywhere where I felt loved and accepted like this. Why? Because we have always, always, always tried to purpose ourselves to be people who looks outside of ourselves and outside of our group. It is a reward, folks, from God for somebody to pull you aside and say, I am here today because you loved me. When nobody else did, you loved me. There's no greater reward than that. It's awesome. So this morning as we close, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. If, if, if you are here today and you've been dealing with anger and bitterness towards somebody, somebody has insulted you, somebody has stolen from you, somebody has had too great of expectations about you, or somebody has uh, borrowed from you or taken from you and not given back. See, all these areas that I just mentioned, these are the things that give us bitterness, rage, and anger, and frustration, aren't they? (laughs) And you're dealing with a situation, you look at somebody and say, that person has become my enemy. And when you see them, you get frustrated. When you see them, you have negative bad thoughts. Here's what I want to challenge you with. You need to begin to pray for them. If they persecuted you, pray for them. I had a situation many, many years ago, and I've shared this example before, but I, it was such a life-changing experience. I, I just continue to share it. Had some individuals attack me and my family verbally, openly, um, trying to spread um, gossip and slander about things that were not true, um, specifically about my wife. Out of all people that you could pick, <laughs> surely you'd have enough stuff about myself, you wouldn't need to attack my wife. But as a husband, I guarantee you, somebody attacks your wife, you begin to turn into the Incredible Hulk. I was pretty upset. And I, I struggled with it, and, and I was driving to and from work, and, and I, would, I would pray, and I would pray through my family. I'd pray through my family at home. I'd pray through my parents and my sisters and their families all the way to work and just ask for God's covering and blessing for them that day. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Bob, you've got to give away this anger and bitterness and rage and frustration. These people are hurting, just like that cat I told you about. And they need Jesus. They need me. They don't need you to be mad at them. They need you to be a light. But I want to be mad at him. So the Lord said, I want you to begin to pray for him. And I had a hard time at first. Lord, wipe him off. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. Wipe him off. No, I'm not going to do that one. I had to begin to pray for a softening of their hearts and pray for a blessing and pray for an anointing on them and, and bringing restitution and re- reconciliation and all these things. And what happened is, is God, God took me and he said, Bob, I want you now to insert the prayers of these individuals in the middle of your family prayers. This is my family prayers, Lord. I don't think I want to put them in the middle of my family prayers. 
I had to pray through my personal family, my parents, my sisters, in the middle of my sisters, I had to pray for these individuals. And at first I had a really bad attitude about it. And I didn't like doing it. They didn't belong there, but I did. And after a couple weeks, a week and a half, however long, I don't remember how long it was, I did this for a little while. One day I got to them and I was driving down the road and I just broke. And I began to weep tears and say, oh God, these poor people must be just broken. They must be absolutely wounded to treat somebody this way. Lord, help me to be a light. Help me to love them. Help me not to be. And God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, changed me. Changed me so that I could walk into the situation with the individuals and and shake their hands, greet them when I saw them in town, smile, converse with them, and, and he, God took that situation and flipped it because he changed me first. If you are dealing with that, the problem is not always the other person. The problem is, is that God needs to change you first. And when he changes you, he's going to lead you by his spirit how to bring reconciliation in that situation. So that's the first thing we're going to pray for. The other thing we're going to pray for is if you're here, and I know this wasn't really part of the message Uh, I just felt led as I was finishing up um, preparing this this week that God wanted me to ask if there's anybody here that's in need of a touch from Him, healing, uh, intervention in a situation. We're going to pray for you this morning. We didn't have anybody come up in the first service, so I don't know who it's for. If nobody comes, that's fine. That's between you, God, and me. I don't know. I'm just going to obey Him.